0: welcome to looking ahead a series of candid conversations with tech's most influential leaders on their lives their visions and their bets on the future hosted by a head cto eric kaplan today eric talks with chuck robbins chairman and ceo of cisco on topics ranging from communications as a stress reliever to the evolution of cloud and an increasingly digital world to how cisco invests in the future enjoy the episode
1: I am happy to uh, welcome Chuck Robbins to our uh, Looking Ahead show today. Chuck, thank you for taking the time and joining us. Uh, Very excited as uh, chairman and CEO of Cisco to have you here today. Uh, First off, just to get going, how are you doing? Obviously a lot going on in the world right now, but I just thought I'd uh, take a quick temperature check and uh, see what's going on in your world and how uh, you're operating in today's environment.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, hello Eric, and thank you for having me. It's uh, it's uh, it's going to be nice to have have a chat. Uh, look, we're doing fine, right? I, I think we are. Uh, we're navigating through the 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 situations that we're all facing, both from a business perspective as well as from a personal perspective. Family's fine, company's doing fine, and we're trying to just uh, you know figure out how we can continue to take care of our employees, continue to help our customers, do what we can in our communities, and try to think about frankly what does this mean for our business over the long term so that we can make whatever adjustments we need to make and that's where we're spending our time right now but we're fine thank you I hope you are
1: yeah yeah I think we're all uh, taking it one day at a time both uh, personally and uh, with our families and kids and everything so it's uh, it's as uh, like I tell my wife you know we have a Well, compared to a lot of people these days. So uh, I just appreciate what I have every day. Um, You know, one of the things I thought about coming into this discussion is the fact that Cisco is a company, you have 75,000 employees, uh, obviously a huge, huge uh, Titan in the networking space, but then all the way up through collaboration, and what could be more important than collaboration in a day where we're all working uh, remote every day and interacting with each other over WebEx and phone calls. What have been, you know, you operate and Cisco operates and has been operating in this mode prior to COVID, but what are some of the lessons you've learned doing it at this scale for this long uh, that you can share with others?
0: Well, we we learned we needed to do it at scale, that's for sure. So we had uh, we had a, a period, obviously, in March where we spent a, a great deal of time and energy through weekends for several weeks, just getting the right scale, both in our cloud security platforms as well as into in the WebEx platform. Uh, and, um, you know, I think what we've learned is that, ironically, as a company, we've joked that uh, we're probably more disconnected physically than we have ever been but we feel closer as a community than we ever have been and uh and it's because we've we've decided that in a time where we can't be together physically we're increasing the frequency of our communication virtually and as as an entire organization so we're doing a a a company-wide video session once a week right now and literally we're all sitting in our homes you know most of the time and it's uh and people are getting a kick out of seeing everybody's backgrounds and they all have questions about what's that white book on the (laughs) the bookshelf behind you. Uh, But I think that, um, look, we've learned that, that, um, frequent authentic, clear and honest communication can help alleviate a lot of the stress that people are feeling right now. Um, I think being transparent with your teams, uh, being very empathetic and understanding what they're all facing. We have uh, employees who are at home with small children that don't understand work schedules. We have uh, we have employees at home who are isolated by themselves and are, are feeling lonely and completely disconnected. Uh, we have employees who have elderly parents living with them or they have that stress and, and all sorts of variations of that. so uh, you know leading through this and being a, a leader and a manager, requires uh, us to actually think about things we don't necessarily think about every day uh, when we're sort of in the office environment. Uh, Maybe we should but uh, but I think that uh, just being empathetic and communicating a lot and really creating uh, an environment where our employees can tell us what they need to get through this is very important.
1: I had one of my uh, children walk right into a a WebEx earlier today and you know I think Six months ago, I would have been, felt very guilty, and uh, today it's just kind of an accepted uh, norm, not one that you want to happen, but when it does, I think people are, you know, just brush it off very quickly, which is great to see, and I think we're, we're getting to know the other side of people as well, not just the work uh, and professional side, but more of the sure. personal sure. side of a lot of people.
0: Uh, you know, Eric, it's funny you say that, because... Uh, we we spent some of the early weeks of the quarantine we decided to go to Atlanta because we have two granddaughters there and they kind of moved in with us yeah Um, and we um, and one night we were doing one of these weekly check-ins with all of our employees and my four-year-old granddaughter opened my office door (laughs) And, and and we had been it was early during this time and we had been really reiterating to our employees that and our leaders in particular that people have small children they don't understand what a two o'clock conference call is. If they need mom or they need dad, they need them. And that's just the way it is. And we're going to have to adjust our schedules to deal with it. And so I took the opportunity. I called her over and I said, come here, come here. And I actually pulled her into the picture and she said hello to everybody. And I said, see, even I have young children coming in. And that's just the way it is. So it was a, it was an interesting time. And then this morning, I had a, we had a, a, an executive session with a, one of our large service provider customers in Europe. And the CEO was on video and I saw him get up and his he opened his office door and then he came back over and sat down and his dog jumped up in his lap while we were having the meeting. So <laughs> right. we're learning a lot about each other. And I think it's, a, it's become a much more informal, you know, uh, time for us to all communicate together.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, if we zoom out for a minute and I think about Cisco and then I think about what our customers are going through. I think one of the biggest headlines is digital transformation, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? Our customers are trying to figure out new business models, new products to create, uh, re you know, factor how they go to market to be more agile. Um, Tell me, you know, once again, back to the broad spectrum of Cisco's portfolio and the assets that you have, from the network to security to collaboration to cloud, um, and I have a few kind of places I think we can drill down in. But t- paint the picture for me of how you and Cisco are going to help the service providers of the world be more agile, to help the you know the manufacturers out there, the 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 pharmaceutical companies really transform as a business. Um, and I think if. If you can also really just think about that in context of the other big driver on everyone's desk, which is cloud. Um, and not cloud as a destination, but more cloud as an operating model um, that clients want to uh, embark upon or are embarking upon today.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that became very clear in the March timeframe in the U.S. And, and obviously earlier in Asia and other, and other parts of the world is that those companies who had invested in modernizing their infrastructure and and really updating their infrastructure and being ready, uh, they were able to navigate their way into this probably more smoothly. Everybody did an amazing job, I have to say. I I would say that some companies needed less duct tape and super glue than others. Uh, But but I think it was quite a testament to see what the the IT professionals around the world were able to do for their organizations to actually make what we're experiencing now actually come to life. Beyond that, I think what we're now what companies are now thinking about is um, a if this pandemic was something that no one could have ever expected or anticipated. So uh, now is the time for me to actually really think about the real architecture that I want to build to, comprised of both my on-premise infrastructure as well as my cloud architecture. To your point, and what does how how do I need to uh, actually spend the time in the cycles right now while everyone's attention is on preparedness and understanding and 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 they know what we went through to get to where we are so for us what that means is that we you know we're obviously working with customers on distributed cloud security architectures we're spending a lot of time with customers on hardening their work from home environment and what are the long-term technology shifts that we may need to bring into the home, particularly for that high-end user, whether it's a trader uh, in the financial services market or something else. And uh, and then our customers have been looking at evolving their sort of wide area networks between their branches, their mobile users, their private data centers in the cloud. And I think this is going to accelerate their desire to simplify that environment and figure out how do I – Instead of me navigating this complexity of trying to figure out all my traffic flows and where they're going to go, is there a simpler way for me to just get my traffic moving securely and then have it delivered to the right place? And so we're having a lot of conversations. This is a combination of cloud security, SD-WAN, and the network in general. So that's a big discussion that we're having. In the service provider space, we have obviously seen we, we launched a whole new portfolio of products in December, which the timing was very good. Largely targeted at the the next generation backbones and access layer, uh, driven a lot by 5G and the capacity that we expect from that. Well, we got a little preview of the capacity surge uh, in this work-from-home environment, and we've seen a lot of them upgrading their infrastructure. We've seen a lot of them now actually talking about accelerating the shift to 5G, Um, and so that's a very timely transition for us that we're very excited about. And then when you look at this technology, we think that... Lot, every industry is going to transform to some extent, but particularly you think about how governments governments around the world have been using WebEx to continue to, to meet and actually t- continue to do business at a time sure. where they're not you know, together. Uh, Health care is going to change forever with, with telehealth finally. Uh, I think we all understand what's happening in higher education, and, uh, and they'll probably end up in a hybrid model where they'll have in-class students and they'll have remote students. And so all of those areas are areas of focus for us with our customers and our portfolio right now.
1: Yeah, my wife had her uh, uh, touch point with a a physician today while she was on a walk, um, just holding her her phone over video. Uh, And obviously, you know, we're all still waiting to hear how uh, schools will end up in the new year. But, you know, we're already getting emails saying you could be two weeks on in classroom. You could be. Uh, remote over video for another two weeks and kind of living in a hybrid world as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I think, um, you know, you just talked about was a lot of infrastructure um, and, you know, infrastructure and the plumbing uh, that we all have to put in place to make all this stuff work at the end of the day. But back in 2017, uh, Cisco acquired AppDynamics, obviously. a Couple weeks ago, you acquired Thousand Eyes. Uh, mm-hmm. AppDynamics has been a critical part of our business and helping not just infrastructure owners understand what's happening under the covers, but actually, I think more importantly, the business owners and the application owners uh, make key decisions about how their their most prized asset, the the you know customer facing applications, are performing. Uh, Talk a little bit about and what was the impetus for acquiring Thousand Eyes? Uh, How do you see those coming together? Um, It's exciting to us because I think it's more data to make better decisions. Uh, But I'd love to hear your perspective about that recent announcement.
0: So if we go back to... I don't know, 2014, 2015, we started rewriting a lot of our operating systems to modern data model structures with APIs, as well as the ability to to deliver analytics out of the infrastructure. And the view with AppDynamics was always to take their incredible analytics capability at the application layer. They had a phenomenal uh, user interface that's very directly connected to the business issues that our customers are trying to solve. And we felt like we could feed them more insights out of the infrastructure to help them just have more visibility to what's going on across the whole IT infrastructure. As um, as we've seen evolve, obviously, uh, the application development models are shifting significantly. Back when I used to write applications, they were all tightly integrated with tightly integrated IBM components. Sure. And now you have this new you know, DevOps and then cloud-native app development where you're calling on microservices and functions that are that sit in different areas, different cloud providers. And so it's going to be increasingly important for us to be able to have analytics tell us what's happening with our applications and our performance. And Thousand Eyes was just a great example. They've done an amazing job of uh, really, you know, deploying sensors and, and gathering information out of public clouds, out of telcos, out of private enterprises. And we think it's another opportunity for us to help our customers just gain more insights and uh, and really understand how that works, and I think there's also the opportunity for partnerships if we can sort of feed this platform, and then there's other analytics that can come in from other companies and other organizations that actually have visibility. I think that's what we're going to need in this new world that's massively distributed, and and sub elements of applications running everywhere. We're going to have to have it, so that's what's driving it, and uh, and we think that um, you know Thousand Eyes is going to be a great addition.
1: Yeah, you think about what's happening on the network side. You mentioned 5G, the edge, the cloud providers, the data center. Uh, there's no shortage of places to host and run your workloads. Right. And I think it's becoming increasingly more complicated to kind of zoom out and make sense of what's happening. And I think you know more sophisticated the environment, the harder that is going to be to piece together, and I think platforms like App Dynamics and Thousand Eyes, I think, can really help clients through that, uh, you know, point-in-time uh, problem. Um, just, you know, you spend a ton of money on R&D as a company, uh, obviously, you talked about, you know, product releases at the end of the year, you're also, uh, making investments through acquisitions as well like we just talked about when you look at the portfolio at hand you know what are you most excited about in the cisco you know not to play favorites or pick your uh favorite uh child here in terms of business units but you guys have you know obviously have a long history of continuing to invest in products and new spaces over long periods of time just Kind of interested in your thoughts about where some of that investment that's occurring today excites you most.
0: Yeah, you, you nailed it. Though if you if you talk about one of the business units, you better talk about all of them because if they look, right. I don't love them. But uh, I think there's there's a few areas that I think about. Number one in our in our mass scale infrastructure group, which are really building out next generation technology for web scale for service providers for public sector, you know, optical backbones, etc. The five years of investments that we've made to actually bring those products to market in December, that's that's got a long life ahead of it. And I think they will be the backbones for the next generation, you know, web scale providers as well as the carriers in 5G, et cetera. So that's exciting. I think the combination of the network automation, SD WAN, and cloud security to give our customers this seamless capability to have their traffic flow in and out of clouds and SaaS providers, private clouds, et cetera, I think is gonna be incredibly powerful. Um, I think driving uh, significant cloud automation across the entire networking portfolio over the next several years is going to continue to be important. There's some emerging technologies um, in uh, areas like application networking. What we've done in the network is we've made it programmable and a lot of the use cases and the, the early apps that we've seen there are really about operations of the infrastructure. I think we're we're going to enter an era where the app developer is going to have the ability to actually influence and provision whatever underlying infrastructure they need and abstracting some of the complexity of how networking works and exposing that at a service layer for the applications and sort of an application networking model is something that we're beginning to work on now. I think uh, multi-factor continuous authentication is something that's an area that our teams are working on where you – you today you you authenticate once right Uh, in many in many environments you want to you want to have this continuous authentication based on things that you know about the individual so that's that's interesting work that's going on I think looking at security at the workload level uh, is also something else that uh, that we can uh, add value to Uh, in the collaboration space I think continuing to evolve these platforms to be a little more uh, feature-rich for specific industry use cases is something else that our teams are going to be focused on. Uh, and so there's there's a, uh, there's there's a yeah. on and on and on and on and on of things that we can be working on. And uh, yeah. it's, it's exciting. Yeah, no,
1: no shortage of uh, things coming down the pipe, it sounds like. Um, you know, in the last few minutes, uh, I think we'd be remiss not to spend a couple minutes just talking about What's going on in the world, and you know, I think Cisco is always given back um, to the community, and um, I, I think you have as well personally. Mm-hmm. And what do you think? What are Cisco employees telling you? Um, how is Cisco as a company uh, reacting to what's been happening out in the world lately? And and just love to hear, you know, how the events of the last week or two have really changed some of the thinking that you and your executive team are are thinking about uh, from a community diversity inclusion perspective.
0: Yeah, so for, first of all, I think the um, the pandemic as well as the events that have, have, you know, happened in the last few weeks, I think, have amplified whatever culture you had going into the sort of crisis that we found ourselves in. If you have a great culture, I think it's amplified and it's helped you navigate your way through. Your employees, you know, are feeling okay, stressed but okay. If you had a poor culture, I think that your your employees probably feel they probably reflect that. Uh, I think this these crises have a have a way of amplifying it. I think we had a really strong culture. We have a we have a group of employees that care deeply about their communities, uh, and we really have unleashed that over the last few years and uh, and really encouraged it and and highlighted it and we've done it corporately so then you fast forward the, the covid response one of our three pillars were employees customers communities and the communities we we actually put hundreds of millions of dollars in um in i mean all sorts of aspects that we we could go through but uh i, I won't bore you with all of it right now um but everything from helping create funds that are you know uh, assisting those individuals who are the most vulnerable who are living paycheck to paycheck or can't afford to pay rent or buy groceries or the people in the homeless camps that are you know are, are most at risk from this virus so all the way up to trying to look at research opportunities we've opened our, our uh, daycare centers for children of first responders I mean so we've had a wide range of response. And then you fast forward to the issues that we've seen relative to the racism and inequality that exists. And, you know, we started with uh, a, $5 million, uh, a $5 million pool that we're going to contribute to organizations that are actually fighting racism, inequality, and injustice in our system. Uh, I think that uh, it has given us the opportunity to uh, have a very honest, open conversation with our employees about what's going on. Ironically, back at the end of 2019 calendar year, we, we began a series of discussions with a subgroup of our black employees who were sharing with us what it's like to work at Cisco. How do you feel working here? What do you think is good? What do you think we need to do differently? And, and it actually turned into an exercise in January where we spent about five hours with 18 of our black employees and they literally spent two and a half hours talking about that very thing. What's it like to work at Cisco? And my entire executive team sat and listened. And and then we all actually asked questions at the end, and we gave our thoughts back and, and how it had impacted us. And I think every one of us to a person actually had tears in our eyes as we did it. Um, and then we kicked off a 100-day sprint to actually try to improve on areas that we needed to improve on, to accelerate areas that they liked but we weren't doing enough of. So the good news is that was all underway. Uh, when this all happened um, a week ago Monday, on Monday morning, I sent out a note to the entire company on uh, the first weekend of the protest. And on Monday morning, we got on a, a, a special call with the entire company. And I had Darren Walker, the president of the Ford Foundation. I had Brian Stevenson, who's the head of Equal Justice Initiative, uh, who wrote the book Just Mercy, which just turned into a movie over the past holidays. And they came on, and we had this open discussion about what what this means to to both. What do we need to be doing differently inside the company? What can we do to help outside the company? And you know, what is what does our country and the world need to do? And what are the what are the things that we need to be again working on? So, I think it's kicked off a huge, huge piece of work that will never we, it won't stop. I think in the past we've sort of we've gotten irritated and angry and excited in the moment, and then it's faded. I don't think this was going to fade. I think this is going to really impact real change in the country and probably in the world. And And frankly, I'm excited about it, and I hope I can be a part of it. And there's a lot that we need to do differently. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to take all of us coming together to actually impact the change that we need. Yeah, I think
1: our experience internally, and we have similar groups that we've created to facilitate some of these conversations is Getting educated and listening is step number one. Big time. And, uh, I think the more that can occur, the better we'll be, both personally and professionally.
0: Yeah, I um I read a book about nine months ago, uh, ironically called White Fragility, yeah. and it's uh it's effectively about wh- why white people struggle so much to talk about race and racism, and um and in many cases we're we we do not know what to say. And so I actually opened our call last Monday morning apologizing in advance if we said something that was wrong because know that everything we say is coming from our heart. And it sort of just said, look, we're trying to have a constructive conversation, so let's all learn together, to your point. And uh, it was was powerful. It was very powerful. Well, I
1: think we're uh, up on time. I I greatly appreciate you sharing a lot of the insight you did today about Cisco, about what you're doing in the community, uh, lessons from COVID, and uh, also appreciate the partnership we have with Cisco. uh, And thank you for the
0: time, Chuck. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And uh, take care of yourself. Be safe. And I hope to really see you soon. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Looking Ahead. Featuring Eric Kaplan. Looking Ahead is produced by Ahead. Experts in delivering enterprise cloud infrastructure, intelligent operations, and modern applications. We build platforms for digital business. Learn more at thinkahead.com.